0: Got Threw a pick on his first, he uh, first he picked pass. He did, six on his first <laughs> pass, joining uh, James Winston James and Winston. Brett Favre. Yeah. Uh, so either he's going to go on to have a whole thing career, or he's going to be a total failure, but either way, his dick's going to get him in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so hello, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We've got the first week of games in the books. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. So, hey guys, Connor here. We got Harry. Hello. And um, we got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack?
0: No. Eh. <laughs> Football's back. You, you know what I've done for the last week? Watch football, not sleep. Yeah. Watching football. It's been great. Yeah, it was I good. I haven't slept though. What um, in I'm delirious.
1: Yeah, yeah, we were here until five in the morning watching the uh, the Bears game finish up it because it turned into a game. And we will be discussing that in more depth later on. What about yourself, Fitz? Any crack? You were unable to join us for the opening weekend of games up in Dublin.
2: Yes. Uh one of my work colleagues is actually in America this week, so she headed off on uh, Monday afternoon. So there was some meetings and stuff on Monday. Monday that, uh, It's a bit because
1: uh, to be honest, even if you even if you were just kind of quiet enough on it, like the fact you'd be up till five in the morning in Dublin watching football means you would not be functional for meetings the following day. If uh, myself and Harry were anything to go by.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't really much point going down and not having the cans at the same time. That's right? true, yeah, that's, that's true.
1: true. <laughs> uh, you, you'd miss the heart of what makes it Football yeah, Sunday. Sure. We'll, 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 another time, another time. Well, indeed, we'll reschedule. So, uh, we'll go and fly straight into some of the news from around the league this week. Uh, so, as the big news is that the Levy on Bell holdout is still ongoing, he did not turn up for game one. Uh, There's rumours he might skip up to 10 games because uh, I believe he only needs to play six for it to count as a year under the tag. Then that means that he'd be able to hit the free agent market or get tagged again for a ridiculous amount of money um, it was in, made more interesting by the fact that the Steelers offensive line then took to social media to complain about Bell's holdout and say that he was like not doing the team justice that he was being a diva and it came out in a very organised fashion in that it seemed to be universal across the organisation I've, I've, I've said my piece about me not liking the, the management that are in there and the way that they deal with things but what do we make of this is this a spot that's going to make it an irreconcilable irreconcilable situation for Bell and the Steelers and he'll have to be traded or is this something that he could come back from rejoin them uh, and show
0: kind of that he can be a Steeler Uh, Bell's gone Um, this is I think an impasse Uh, apparently to ditch today they have have taken him off all their official depth charts and everything they've assumed he's not going to come back it's going to be very difficult after like what you said with the O-line trashing him which was not just like well-coordinated, but I would go as far as to say suspiciously well-coordinated. <laughs> and I think it goes back to what you were talking about, about the culture that's sort of engendered in that organization. It was particularly depressing uh, to see guys like Ramon Foster, who are NFL PA union reps, uh, trashing one of their guys for holding out for more money. So yeah, uh, that was weird and bad. And obviously Antonio Brown uh, came out and was like, hey, guys, guys, calm down. This is, this is you're tearing us apart, like. <laughs> but... It very much was, and when you've got all the players turning on Bell, either organically or for other reasons, it's going to be very difficult for him to come back. James Conner had a pretty decent game, so from the fans' perspective, again, fans don't like players wanting to get paid, they don't know what that's about, but they resent it massively, as we know from families of every team. They've now got their hometown hero Mm -hmm. there, so they're not really going to miss Bell. And if you go on social media or Reddit or any of that, you see an awful lot of Steelers fans already rationalizing that Bell isn't going to come back. Yeah. And I think that is reflective of just a general feeling that comes down from the organisation. They don't care. If Bell, particularly if as he's threatening, misses 10 games, turns up for six, and presumably they won't even dress him. Yeah. Um, or, or they will, and they'll make him carry a 100 times a game. Yeah. You're now playing both ways. yeah. <laughs> Basically, put you in a nose tackle. I think this is completely broken down at this stage. I think we're going to see Le'Veon Bell hit free agency next year. I don't think the Steelers will even want to tag him after all well, this did, drama. Like This is this is the question, though, Fitz. Do you think that
1: this is a spot where it's going to last until the end of the season and he's going to hit free agency? Or is there someone out there who's going to say, look, we'll kick over a, a, a third-round pick or, or, or whatever to them to take him off their hands now and just get him for the back half of their season? Surely some of these contender teams would be looking at this as a, as a potential signing.
2: Well, the biggest problem is until he actually signs the tag, I don't believe that his rights can be moved on to another team. That basically means that they would need to promise him, like some team comes in with an offer and they say, we're going to move you to them and they might or might not pay you. Like, you can't really talk to them because that's probably there's issues there on the contract side as well in terms of uh, you know going behind the scenes with agents and stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot more complicated than just like you can trade them for players under a normal contract. For someone who is holding out and until they sign the contract they can't be traded, the amount of moving pieces that would need to come together for mm. that to be acceptable to Bell is very large, and like at this point, you know, obviously trust is not at an all-time high. So you expect that Bell, if he does sign that contract, and then they were in age, or they kind of try to screw him over a little bit, then he basically has no comeback. He has to go out there. He has to play as if he was like you know, if he actually wanted to play. Otherwise, he'll face a pretty severe contract, uh, pretty severe um, consequences under the CBA. For him, I think it's it's very personal right now. I'm sure he's listened over the last few years about all this like this new wave of like thinking about or like uh, like in the draft. You know, you draft them young, you run them into the ground and then you let them go off, yeah. uh get or paint somewhere else. He's probably heard that. He doesn't want to end up like that, so he's trying to protect his value here. Um, and even though he knows he's probably losing a bit of money, than if he had a really good season, I think at this point he's like I, I'm not going to take this shit anymore. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be abused like this. So I think for him, it's personal at this point. And for the Steelers, I think they're obviously trying to make a big uh, point about you know if you don't step into the line, if you don't follow the Steeler way, you know we're gonna we're, we're not gonna take that shit. And obviously getting the people in line to kind of follow that through. Um, with, with obviously the OL, uh, with the O line uh, people speaking out. So like I think right now. The impasse, like there's so much hate and such a lack of trust there that to get through all of those hoops that we required to actually move him on uh, before the season was over and why, why would you trade for him like at, like at game 10? Doesn't really make sense, uh, maybe that yeah. point. But so that's after the trade window anyway. Um, it, it, yeah, it just feels like this is going to go to the offseason and he's going to have to, he's going to leave on bad terms but probably still get paid a fair amount of money in free agency. No, nervous.
1: of course, of course. And obviously the big losers in this are the fantasy football teams who drafted them first <laughs> overall. Uh, thank you. That definitely sealed at least one victory from this weekend by him not playing. Uh, I suppose the other holdout around the league would have been uh, Earl Thomas, who was reported to the Seahawks and played in Week One. But I imagine that this has kind of set the tone for what would be a very difficult negotiation going into the off season after this. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, but like he made a pick in his first game, so obviously he hasn't lost a step football wise. But yeah, like it will be surprising. Like, I, like I don't think the Seahawks unless they get a unless they get some amazing offer. I don't know if they'll bother even like, like tagging him or not. Yeah, They could try that, but that would just probably make things, like put them back to square one. I think it's just a case that they have him under contract and they expect players to play at their contract. That if he wants to go and do free agency next year, he will and they'll get a compensatory pick for like, a third yeah. round the year after. I think I, I would be surprised if he was on the Seahawks next year and I don't expect the Seahawks to kind of screw him around because, you know, that that will only make things even worse than they were this offseason. Yeah, probably
1: not. And the reason that these players are looking for these contracts rather than the, the tags is the upcoming section now, the injuries that we've seen. Because obviously, mm. if they were to receive a big injury that will harm them in the long term so we'll fly through a couple of the injuries that happened around week one so the big one we'll be discussing later on as well as green Bay's quarterback aaron Rodgers injured his leg i believe it's a knee injury and he's currently week to week he's came out and said that he hopes to play next week but we'll see how that develops we will be discussing that in the game later on but obviously aaron Rodgers is a key piece the key piece for green bay uh they also have just paid him like 300 million dollars so uh Obviously, we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Carolina have lost uh, Greg Olsen to, well, they say substantial time, but I would imagine the most of the season is probably what they're losing him for. He has a broken foot and also offensive tackle Darrell Williams has a knee injury and he's gone for the season as well. Carolina didn't put up a great showing and these are two key pieces that they're going to lose here. Obviously, Greg Olsen being the safety blanket in let's be honest, not a very good wide receiving core. And Darrell Williams, he was kind of helpful in keeping Cam from getting killed, given that they seem to have dedicated to running Cam as a running back half the time.
2: Yeah, and like Greg Olson, is probably the best receiver on that. Well, for for Cam, the best receiver. Like obviously there was talk during the offseason from Kelvin Benjamin about Cam not perhaps being the most accurate quarterback. And like right now, his top receiver is like Devin Funches. Yeah. And behind that, there's like very little there. Um. So I think losing Greg Olson. There's no way that won't make him more reliant on going to the ground, Cam trying to do more running back stuff, um, and that just obviously not being something, like that's been something they've been trying to move away for for multiple seasons. And Darrell Williams, it's particularly sad because he actually had a season, and he had an injury during the pre-season, sorry, in the off-season, which he had come back from ahead of time. Um, to kind of get ready for week one, and to have something happen in the first week right after going through all that effort of like you know rehabbing intensively to get ready for week one, uh, it's a massive shame for them. And he was he's pretty well considered as a right tackle. And obviously, any loss in the offensive line, there's no good backups basically on any team, but that's certainly uh, true in, in Carolina as well. So, more pressure on Cam to kind of compensate for that, yeah, probably putting his own body on the line. And you know, it sometimes it's great, but. Uh, it's not what they want in Carolina
1: no of course Tennessee Titans had a number of injuries occur uh, tight end Delaney Walker dislocated his ankle and fractured it so he's likely gone for the season Marcus Mariota left the game with an arm injury uh, they believe he should be okay but we're waiting on a bit more clarification on that I believe he lost all feeling in his hand and they also lost someone to a concussion uh, Taylor Luan well, fuck Taylor he's an asshole yeah uh, <laughs> he's also probably out for the next game or two anyway and this again was Titan Titans
0: didn't look really all that strong well I mean you what, it's, what Ronan said about Greg Olsen um, and a weak receiving core. This Titans receiving core is essentially non-existent. And the loss of Walker is huge. Um, he wasn't having a great game against Miami, but they were all playing terribly. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, Tennessee looked bad. And this is the loss of pretty much their most important weapon in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And Mariota was already struggling before he got hurt. And now they've lost uh, one of their, their, their left tackle. This is... This is worrying.
1: Yeah, this is not looking good for them. Atlanta lost their safety, Keanu Neal. He's torn his ACL, so he's gone for the season. They had high hopes for him to add to that backfield, but obviously they're going to have to work around that. Uh, New England's running back Jeremy Hill also tore his ACL. He's gone for the season. So you have one less Cincinnati Bengal uh, in that backfield. Houston uh, lost cornerback uh, Kevin Johnson to a concussion. So they said it's going to be at least four weeks. And uh, Santrell Henderson, the offensive tackle, has injured his ankle. And he's gone for the season. Again, this is a Houston line that's trying to protect uh, a quarterback that's coming off an injury. And like they were not good to start with, let alone when they started losing more pieces.
2: Like, Central Henderson was, um, like, even in the current NFL, probably most teams, like, a swing tackle. He was their starting right tackle. So that probably gives you an indication of uh, the quality of line play Houston can expect going forward. And considering what we saw in week one with uh, the amount of pressure put on Deshaun Watson, mm. uh, the optimism in Houston is maybe on the down though pretty quickly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And obviously Kevin Johnson was like their starting CB1 and won the weaker one. so that also is an indication of, uh, you know, the secondary besides Tyron Matthew. Uh, but, Matthew but,
1: what they but, but, but JJ Watt though, that defence is leet. Do you think, like, well, is, there, like, is there a net amount
0: of performance that the Watt brothers are allowed to have and just TJ called it all for this week? I mean, he, he, he tried to murder Tyron Taylor more than one occasion. Mm. Um, no, uh, I think uh, we can all agree that Derek Watt is the best Watt. <laughs> I don't even know the Derek <laughs> what is is. Fullback. Okay. I'm not even really sure he's on the team. He used to play for the Chargers, I think.
1: Oh, okay. No idea if he still does. Seattle wide receiver Doug Baldwin has a mild MCL tear, so he's out for two to four weeks. That could be a little bit extended. That's kind of very provisional on it being as soft as they think it is. And San Francisco wide receiver Marquise Goodwin has internal bruising, and is, so, is currently week to week. Uh, those are two examples of wide receiver cores, again, that were maybe not the deepest and... Are looking to get even more shallow. Uh,
2: more Brandon Marshall, more Dante Pettis. Get excited, people!
1: I honestly, God, forgot the Brandon Marshall that signed there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I thought he was retired. He like we saw him catch a catch a pass and went, "Oh, that's where he is." Yeah. Ah, I thought he was gone. Uh, we have a monumental uh, thing that's occurred this week, which is uh, *Crime and Punishment* is empty. So, what are they doing? Probably not felonies, it would
0: appear. Uh, Or felonies that we just haven't heard about yet. Yeah, secret felonies. (laughs) By the time this
1: podcast goes out. Yeah, there probably will have been... There's there's enough players out there that someone's going to have done something stupid by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, Move on to Controversy Corner. So some of the new rules as they are being bedded in uh, are causing a bit of issues. So the one that we were expecting to cause a lot of issues was this crown of the helmet uh, change to the tackling procedures. But that's not apparently what's been causing the biggest issue so far. There's an additional rule about body weight, which is that you're not allowed to land with your body weight on the quarterback when you tackle them. So, as you can imagine, what this would mean is if you are a like 280 pound behemoth running at full speed trying to get to someone in the like 2.3 seconds you have between them getting the ball and passing the ball, if you do get to tackle them, you have to tackle them very daintily and you can't put any of your body weight into them, uh, Which this on the face of it sounds fucking ridiculous when you think about it. But this has caused a number of roughing the passer penalties to be given because like, it's almost impossible to tackle this way and effectively bring down a quarterback. Particularly when you're talking about larger quarterbacks like the likes of Ben Roethlisberger and so, when they are big, hefty gentlemen, and uh, you need to be able to throw your weight behind them to bring them down, uh, I I just don't get. This caused a chat between ourselves during watching the games about how the fuck aren't the aren't the players' association involved in some of this rulemaking? Because any player would have been
0: able to explain to them why that is a bad idea, right? True, but the players also did spend the entire offseason bitching about the crown of the helmet rule, so they don't know everything. Unfortunately, they're just resistant to change in general. Mm. Um, this rule is bullshit this like we saw it called so many times yeah. on the weekend and all of them were just like what none of them were particularly bad um we saw that like, crowd the 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 hit sort to of the, the head stuff called quite well actually i thought yeah. the first week was managed correctly what was done with with um taylor and also with andrew luck with the ejection the cincinnati game well, this, this rule doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make sense. There's nothing players can do in certain situations to avoid landing on the quarterback. We saw it called for like, not particularly rough sacks. I know this all goes back to a couple of injuries that happened last year, but it just seems to me that this is unenforceable and this isn't going to stop quarterbacks from getting hurt. I have, I have a very strong belief that this is going to cause a huge injury to
1: a quarterback during the season. Because if you're trying to tackle them you have to roll away from them, what you're going to do is roll and pull as you roll. And that's how you're going to end up twisting knees and mm. twisting ankles. I, I'm expecting we're going to see one high-profile player get very badly injured because of this. And then that will be what will force a rule reconsideration. Rather than the fact that it's just a terrible rule that is being enforced very poorly.
2: Yeah, I think it, like it's a rule that probably needs clarification. basically some kind of intent, basically about whether they're trying to slam the quarterback. Because I believe this was, like, apparently this was inspired by the tackle that injured Aaron Rodgers last year, where obviously he was pushing down into him or, like, flying into him.
1: Yeah.
2: pushing him down. Whereas, obviously, if you just, if you go straight into someone and he falls over, you're obviously the natural... He's going to fall on top of him. ...is you fall on top of them. And, you know, obviously that will mean there's a little bit more interpretation, but it means we'll have less of these bullshit flags, and the flags will be reserved for those plays which were, you know, genuinely dangerous or had ill intent, which is presumably the, the batter here because we have lots of other rules defining that you can't hit them in the places which are, you know, dangerous in and of themselves, like in the, in the, head, in the head, in the helmet, etc. So I think it's, it's probably only the ones that will just need, hopefully will need a little bit of tweaking to just kind of not turn it into like a week-to-week, you know, a thousand I something like we've seen this plenty of times before. A new rule comes in, it's overzealously interpreted, and then it's it's you know it's brought down to a more reasonable level. Let's all hope that's what happens over the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll move on, have a look at some of the tra- kind of the the transactions that have happened uh, around the league. So Arizona have extended uh, David Johnson, their star running back slash wide receiver slash offense. Uh three years, 39 million, 30 million of which is guaranteed. That's a nice chunk of guaranteed cash. Uh, and that's what you want to see when you're getting an extension like this. Especially coming off an injury like that. He's going to feel a lot better, a bit more secure. Yeah, like overall it makes sense and I think this is a good price that they're getting him for
0: as well. Yeah, it's a shame it's on a garbage team. That like no like I understand what you're saying, but like based anyway certainly on what we saw in week one where we expected the team to be bad um, and now we've seen them be incredibly bad. It's one of those moments where you do wonder if this is going to turn out to be the best investment a few years down the line. It's not like the Steelers where you know they're a good team and then you add an elite running back. It's like there's so much that needs to be rebuilt on this team right now. Yeah. Uh, that David Johnson, who is a phenomenal player, don't get me wrong, and I think that's why we've seen a, like a relatively short contract being given here of, of only three years, because... This team needs a hell of a lot of work, and David Johnson, as good as he is, is not good enough to turn the Arizona Cardinals into a playoff team. He isn't. We saw them get absolutely hockeyed by, let's be honest, a fairly average team this week. Yeah. Um, So I do wonder if this is the wisest move, but... We'll see, it really depends on how smart they are about managing the rest of the cap for the next few seasons.
1: Yeah, no, of course, Chicago decided to continue uh, building that defense by signing Eddie Goldman to a four-year, $42 million extension He's their defensive tackle. They seem to be really building a bit of a bully on that defense at the moment. I quite like the way they're going at it. What do you think, Vince?
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, they have a cool, they have a defensive coordinator, Big Fangio, that they've trusted to run that defense for, I think, uh, three or four years at this point, and obviously has survived the transition to a new coaching staff. So I think that I think that sets out that you know, you know he's getting players that will suit his system, and you know extending them when they come up for renegotiation as long as they're not obviously too unreasonable.
1: Yeah, no, of course. And New England have decided that they need fresh blood for Tom, uh, so they've brought in Corey Coleman and Benny Fowler at the wide receiver position. Both could be cut by the time this podcast mm-hmm. comes out. Um, but
0: we'll see two more reclamation projects for, for, for Bill Belichick. Well, there's a reclamation project in Benny Fowler's case because he was never good in the first place. But uh, <laughs> certainly Coleman. I mean, why not? Yeah, just give it Probably, a look. Do Keep him for a few weeks. Trade to Indianapolis for a third round draft pick. Else we do with vs Mingo. Yeah,
1: I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like from what I saw of Coleman on the hard knock stuff and that, I don't know how that's gonna gel in the New England locker room. It's not. Uh, not. It's gonna be very interesting. We'll see if he's been humbled by the fact that he has just been like abandoned by the league. Um, and just finally before we move on to our game reviews we got one or two little fun facts from this week uh, So fun fact, all the new head coaches Lost in their week one matchups They went 0-7 So uh, quick round of applause for all of them Well done, well done Good job boys, good job uh, And congratulations to the Cleveland Browns Who we'll be discussing shortly Who have had their best start in the last 14 years uh, Their 0-0 one start Is the best start since 2004 uh, Well done on being a franchise still <laughs> <laughs> and we'll move on and have a look at the games okay so we're going to have a look at uh, three games this week back to our old fashioned approach so we have a ring of honour which is a good game uh, the neutral zone which is not some good bits, some bad bits, and the dumpster fire, which is oh my god, I can't believe this is the thing that happened. Uh, so we'll start with the Ring of Honor, Green Bay at Chicago, twenty-three to twenty-four, also known as the reason I didn't get to bed till five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers received a leg injury early on in this game, and Deshaun Kaiser came out and led the led the Green Bay Packers to a I believe twenty to nothing uh, deficit. Going into the half, uh, Aaron Rodgers came back out and decided to go God mode on Chicago. I loved um, the interview. His response to the question, in the interview, They said, "Like, uh, did you ever like, did you think you could come back from this? What went through your head?" And he said, "Basic maths." I said, three times seven is twenty-one. Yeah, we can do this." Which is uh it's a great. Be fair, he was off his tits on. Oh, the he was. He handling. was so out of it on the on the on the post match interview. Uh, Bears offense started strong, looked quite interesting, but uh, then kind of blew up a little bit it was interesting to see someone else mentioned this as well that this is the second game in a row that uh the head coach has blown kind of 20 point leads which is uh, not the best thing in the world to be starting in your new team. <laughs> but uh, but no, it was an interesting one. Khalil Mack looked the absolute business in there and uh, he played so well that, <laughs> that the Raiders and John Gruden were trending on Twitter a day before they played a game, uh, just to suggest how badly that had gone. And Randall Cobb and Toronto Allison did a big job in the second half. So guys, obviously, quite literally, in every single sense of the word, a game of two halves, are we impressed by what Chicago were putting together here, or are we more kind of looking at this second half and wondering
0: what happened to the team that was there for the first thirty minutes? So, kind of. And um, this is what we were chatting about during the game, and you were like, "Oh, this reminds me of you know of Kansas City," and obviously, there is a very good reason for that. Mm-hmm. But the thing we were talking about even in the first half is: is this a sustainable style of offense? And we saw it last season in Kansas City, where it wasn't a sustainable style of offense throughout the season. What we saw today was that it might not be sustainable through. A sixty-minute game of football, because as much as Aaron Rodgers was, you know, unstoppable uh, when he came out, and we'll discuss that later, the Bears didn't adjust at all, and this was a game that was decided not just by Rodgers' return, but by adjustments, and this is on both sides of the ball that Green Bay made defensively and offensively to change the way they were playing to make it functional. And Chicago completely failed to respond to those. There was also some incredibly and this is again it's the Andy Reid, but the the play calling at the end, they had opportunities to go for it on fourth and very, very short, to ice the game, when realistically giving the ball back to Rogers was not going to be a good idea and they couldn't stop him at that point. They didn't do it. Some of the play calls on third down where they called unnecessarily complicated passing concepts mm-hmm. that just descended into farce. Uh, didn't do Trubisky any favours. And what they did in the first half quite well was they played again within Trubisky's limitations. They didn't ask him to do too much. They didn't ask him to go deep. They didn't ask him to ball out. They made it easy for him. They gave a lot of like different looks and different motions and kind of running the similar concepts out of different formations. Once that started getting shut down a bit, they went so vanilla and so predictable that it was unbelievable. And it felt like the, other st- the stuff they were doing beforehand was kind of all a bit of a smokescreen and that there isn't that much confidence in this. When you have a guy who you know you need to manage, then you put him in having to make critical third-down situations where you run really messy passing concepts. Doesn't make it easy. like the Bears were in a position to win this game and refused to put the team in a position to win this game. Fourth and incredibly short. You've got Jordan Howard, or or you can try something with Tarek Cohen. This happened twice. You've got a, a, th- a third and very short that will win the game with Trubisky. Make it easy for him, and we saw them just call the wrong type plays at the wrong time and, while, and this might be a, an assessment of an inexperienced head coach you know who literally like, his first game's a head coach mm-hmm. not knowing the context in which to call things and that's something they're going to need to sort out pretty quickly
1: yeah like one of the criticisms I've been reading in the days since the game is that potentially this is like you were saying the adjustments that Green Bay made in the second half and some people are pointing to the fact that like well, they didn't have tape to prepare on, so a lot of the time they were just prepping KC tape from beforehand. And then as soon as they saw how that was happening with that offense, they were able to immediately adjust to it. So, like Fitz, do you think this was... Was this a success of the Green Bay defense or was this a lack of petrol maybe in the tank for the for the Bears?
2: I would probably agree with Harry and say I would put this more on uh, Chicago on Matt Nagy than I would put it on the Green Bay defense. Like We saw in the first half that the Green Bay defense... Like, they made adjustments, but there weren't any great shakes. It was on them to, you know, keep putting pressure on that Green Bay defense, exploit the holes that were there. But instead, they just seemed to kind of go within their shell and kind of settle for, like, you know, that this is a one game, basically. If you're going to play that style of thing, you need your defense to hold up its end of the deal as well. And especially in that secondary, the Bears' defense in that second half was incredibly soft. There was numerous occasions where Prince of Mukamura and Kyle Fuller Played soft in the sense that they, you know, they didn't make tackles. They didn't really seem to be like that invested, and they let a lot of players that should have been finished up very early go all the way, uh, go all the way to the end zone, or all the way like much further than they should have. So, like, on um, if you're good, if you like, obviously the defense was very good in the first half. Obviously, it did a lot of damage when the Sean Kaiser came on. But if you're facing Aaron Rodgers, uh, you better be really confident in your defense and especially your secondary to hold up at end of the deal. And while that front seven of Chicago definitely looks like an incredible unit already especially with Toledo Mack what an
1: absolute uh, unit
2: you know that it's money that they the size gave this to lab. Kyle Fuller and obviously and like you know, the money they gave to Kyle Fuller and the money they gave to Prince of McMorrow this off season if they don't step up their game which we know they can but they didn't seem to do in this game then you know it doesn't really matter how good they are because really good quarterbacks Aaron Rodgers are going to find those holes and yeah. exploit them and end up doing what they did in this in the
1: second half here. Yeah, so it'll be quite interesting to see uh before is Green Bay have uh Minnesota coming into uh, to their home uh next week and that's a defense that will not be letting up in the second half from mm-hmm. what we see. And uh Chicago will be hosting Seattle so that'll be an interesting one to see because Seattle looking a little bit ropier now. A little so bit. A <laughs> little bit ropeier. I'm trying to be nice. Rollins on the call. Uh, <laughs> But uh, basically to see whether or not they might be able to get some more things going there. Uh, Next up, we'll look at the neutral zone. This is our Thursday night football game we're actually going to look at here. Atlanta at Philadelphia, 12 to 18. Ugh, what a storyline. This was a scrappy as fuck game that I'll be honest, whenever I watched it the following day, I was happy I didn't stay up to watch. (laughs) Um... This Atlanta team once again just started struggling and sputtering in the since they got to the red zone. Steve Sarkeesian doesn't seem to know how to use these pieces correctly to actually get production out of them. Like Nick Foles and the Philadelphia offense didn't look any great shakes either. That's why we have such a low scoring, kind of close game. Both defenses did look quite strong, um, and actually Philadelphia in particular looked extremely strong again. I can't help but after, after reading the analysis of the, I believe it was the final five plays of the game where Atlanta were in the red zone just trying to get there and Steve Sarkeesian decided that for four plays in a row he was going to run four verticals <laughs> into the end zone. Like, one, how does this guy still have a job and two, why is that job in the NFL and not in McDonalds?
2: No <laughs> <laughs> one really knows. like it was like, like, It is isn't the case that Steve Sarkeesian is someone who came in with a huge reputation he came out of like the college system with a reputation for perhaps being a, like having rumors around his uh, his drinking habits, if i remember correctly. Yeah. And um, it was a shock when they hired him. And you know, it's it's over a season. Uh, it's over a season now since he was hired, and we're still know the wiser what exactly um, the head coach of the, or the you know the front office in atlanta saw when they decided to put him in charge of what was you know two seasons ago the best offense in the national national football league so you know i think the red zone issues existed last season and now the fact that they have failed to even update like you know or try different concepts in the exact same situations has to be a major you know red flag for this team like the fact that the final play was, you know, excepting on the offside field a kind of carbon copy of what we see, you know, a troll like fade Ball to Julio Jones and him busy getting, you know, bullied off the ball, kind of gives you an indication that, okay, maybe you shouldn't do that again. Maybe you should be, you know, going back to the drawing board and try something else. And if you're an offensive coordinator in the NFL, you know, your entire job is to, during the offseason, or one of them, is certainly to, you know, go back look at what parts of were weak in the previous season and come up with new plays and new approaches to take advantage of that. And it wasn't just that final play, of course. There was like, I think they only took nine points away from five, five red trips things. yeah That's not acceptable for a team which has so much investment talent, which mm-hmm. has so much money invested in its quarterback, in its running back, in its offensive line, in its wide receivers. They have paid a lot of money to the offense. And if they can't score touchdowns when you know they should be in the red zone, then what the hell are they doing there like his his seat has to be getting very warm right now, and if he manages to survive the entire season, if this stuff continues, it will be a shock to me. And it kind of speaks like it's a good organization, obviously, good owner, good head coach, etc. So maybe they want to stick with their guy, but. Right now, I think they should just you know, grab the nettle and move on to someone who can do better.
1: Yeah, no, of course. As I said, uh, the stat that everyone was talking about was uh, Matt Ryan is 1 of 20 targeting Julio in the end zone in recent games. So that is that kind of says it all about if they can. he can get 200 yards a game but he can't get a fucking touchdown. And <clears throat> Nick Foles is in here because obviously they're not trying to rush Carson Wentz back. But Nick Foles underwhelms, uh, with the exception of the faux Philly special again with his nice receiving job. Is this a spot that, if you're the Eagles' head coach, you're thinking, "Man, we really need to get Wentz back into
0: this lineup." Yeah, like Big Dick Nick took the whole time tripping over his own dong that game. Like mm. it was terrible. Like Nick Foles is a weird player. Like he can be so so good, and then he can also just be Drek. Yeah, and this was him being dreck. Um, Yeah, they want Wentz back as quickly as possible, but I think the concern is is that they really. Can't rush him back quickly, because if you rush him back quickly and then lose him for an even longer period of time, then you are stuck with Nick Foles, and you are stuck with bad Nick Foles this year, apparently. and yeah. not good Nick Foles, like last year. I think there will be pressure, certainly, from the fans and and, and mm-hmm. that kind of shit, but I think Philly have shown recently that they're a reasonably well-run organisation, uh, in some ways, anyway. Uh, Doug Peterson seems to have a solid head on his shoulders. I'd be very surprised if they rush Wentz back before he's ready. I think they... We'll look at, for example, I don't know, Andrew Luck and see what the potential impact of that can be. And the hole that has left that team in mm-hmm. for two years while he was gone. And he, you do not want to run the risk of that situation. So I think they'll be like, look, our defense is good. Our special teams are good. Our running game is pretty decent. Let's just gut this out. And I think, look, for all the Falcons struggle, this is a like top half of the league team yeah. that they've beaten. Uh, And they'll be like, okay, look, we can gut this out for a few weeks longer until he's ready to come back.
1: Yeah, because I think one of the things that's been lost a little bit in the discussion afterwards, a lot of it has been these two offences sputtering and stuff. Like, both these defences played very well. I think both of these defences slate to be kind of top section of the league uh, in terms of of, uh, how they finished the year out. So there is also the element of these were difficult teams to like pass on uh, if not as much to run on in the case of Atlanta. So like this is a this is a spot where It could just be it's a Thursday night game it's the first game back and it's a particularly solid defence he's playing against there might be potential for it I believe who do they have up next oh god yeah they've got Tampa Bay up next this will be an interesting one Uh, which Nick Foles will we see which uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will we see (laughs) that should be a fun game and uh, Atlanta have Carolina coming in to see them and that'll be an interesting game as well because Carolina like we said suffered a couple of injuries and it'll be intriguing to see exactly what kind of Carolina we're going to be getting this year Uh, that moves on to the dumpster fire. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. A 21-21 tie in overtime. As we said, the best result for Cleveland's uh, opening week since 2004. This was a messy piece of shit of a game. We enjoyed it massively when we were watching it, but the football wasn't good. The conditions were problematic. It wasn't the best. Uh, Both teams managed to fuck up field goal chances in overtime to win the game. This was... Interesting. Uh, so Cleveland's defense balled out in this game. They had, I believe, five turnovers, six turnovers, six turnovers, six turnovers um, and that left them with a positive five turnover differential in the game. Um, interestingly enough, only four teams have ever managed to uh, lose a game. Uh, sorry, only four games have resulted in a loss for the team who have five have a plus five turnover differential. Two of those losses are Cleveland, and one of the draws is, uh, which is quite quite depressing when you think about it. Um, but yeah, this defense looked phenomenally. Good. Uh, the The rookie Ward was it uh, yep. looked looked exceptional, and Garrett was all over the field. It's starting to look like maybe. I don't know because it's week one. It's Pittsburgh. It's in division, and it's turbulent weather. But I was
0: getting a bit excited by the defense, at least. I called this sort of nearly <laughs> almost. Uh, okay. I said this was gonna be a much closer game than people would realise. And I think it's worth noting that well this is our dumpster fires because it's, it's kinda of interesting to talk about. There were worse games than this. Thanks Carolina. Thanks Dallas, thanks Tennessee, thanks Miami. But this oh this was just this was this was a roller coaster, this was heartbreaking, wasn't yeah, it? That defense they're building something there. Yeah. They really, really are. And we, I really we saw something... Smacks of like, the, the, the Jacksonville rebuild in there. Yeah. Putting those pieces there, together. There is an element of that. There's just so much athleticism and so much like smarts on that defense. It, it's really great. And we saw just... This was... Uh, they, they swarmed ball carriers like Antonio Brown ended up with a decent stat line because he is Antonio Brown but there are so many plays where we've seen against Cleveland teams a couple of years ago where he would have taken it been able to shake a couple of men and just scoot off down the field and they weren't letting him do that we saw them put tremendous pressure on the Roethlisberger against what is a very solid O-line albeit one composed entirely of dickheads the linebackers making making plays getting like when the fumbles happened it was the Cleveland players were so quick to get on the loose balls like this was just such an impressive display from so many players like even guys like Demarius Randall who are washouts in other teams coming up and getting a pick here and having a decent game. Mm-hmm. G- oh, fuck Greg Williams. I mean, is he doing it? He, he might be. Yeah. It's fucking weird, like but I and I love it. There's so much there's so much talent here and there's so much attention we're seeing young guys come through. We're seeing guys like Ward, like Showbert come through, uh, Jabril Peppers had a decent game, guys like Kirksey. Like not all of these are the big name guys. This is really exciting. I look at that and I'm like, that. Like, yes, the conditions were bad. Sure. Yes, Pittsburgh were doing that Pittsburgh thing where they just fuck up consistently. But this was a good defensive performance, objectively and unquestionably. And Cleveland are going to be actually tough this year. And they were tough last year. They lost all their games, but they, they played some close games. And I think if they can get that offense sorted out, this defense is going to put them into a position to win games. Although what happened when they were in the position to win games, well, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that.
1: Yeah, no, of course so we mentioned as well there's a lot of turnovers Big Ben made a lot of mistakes and some people are attributing this to the weather some are attributing it to uh, him kind of finally being over the hill and not being able to do it we also saw pretty poor quarterback play from Tyrod Taylor as well in this game like Fitz do you think this is just the weather or Big Ben and do you think that the obviously if it's the weather that plays into the discussion about how long Cleveland can avoid putting their rookie Mayfield in yeah
2: like I think for Cleveland on the offense, uh, I think the questions will start. Um, it depends how Cleveland get on. and obviously, you know, just a note of caution. Uh, one on the defense, like the run game defense, obviously wasn't very good because James Conner put up a lot of yards. Yeah. Uh, to just a historic note of caution that you know Cleveland played Pittsburgh really close week one last season. And they went uh, 0-16. So, you know, don't read too much into it. Don't, don't No! There, Harry. Harry, um, Harry is very
1: dedicated because um, Harry has drafted the entire s- team of Browns <laughs> <laughs> in most of his fantasy leagues. Yes, I'm true. not even joking. It's at true. one point, I think he had six members oh, on one of his teams. No. And then only cut them whenever they got cut
0: from the actual team. Hey, I started their defense this week. That was a great call.
2: So, I think, like, Tyrod Taylor, I think, you know, they, the question is inevitably going to go up all season regardless what happens. Unless they, you know, start winning games at a, at a fair clip. And I think in this thing, you kind of saw both the good and bad of Tyrod Taylor. Like, for the majority, he just played really conservative. And that, to a certain extent, that's what you want. Like, when you saw the Sean Kaiser, uh, both in the Green Bay game, and also, of course, all over the entire last season, he was a turnover machine, particularly in the red zone. The problem was that Tyrod Taylor was playing, it seems, so conservatively for the vast majority of the game that they were not getting anywhere near the red zone. Like, he had one good play on the touchdown, like a, a nice little like, run-in, uh, for a touchdown that was nice but other than that he was continually under pressure uh, like like fair enough he was continually under pressure uh, coming from that uh, Pittsburgh defense especially TJ Watt but he wasn't doing anything with it like obviously this is a running quarterback you expect him to do a little bit more but it seemed like Pittsburgh had figured it out and they knew what they were doing and were able to contain him and he did come out in the fourth quarter to actually get them back in the game which was nice to see but you do question whether you know like Tyrod Taylor, good, but he, is he good enough to carry the team when other things aren't going so well? Like when the run game was kind of pretty inefficient overall. Um, it, that's a big question. And of course, Baker Mayfield just gives you that X factor that you know Tyrod Taylor probably never will have. I think we know who Tyrod Taylor is at this point, and it's a decent level quarterback. Baker Mayfield has a potential to so much more. And just like shortly on Big Ben, like he threw those five interceptions against Jacksonville last year you know, and talked about retiring. It's it's Big Ben, he occasionally has these stupid games. The weather definitely didn't help, and he, you know, will definitely distort his shit out. But, you know, I think they're definitely invested enough in him that I doubt that there'll be any pressure coming for the uh, rookie quarterback that they drafted this year. I don't think they saw enough from him in preseason. No. It's a question at all. So I wouldn't worry about that unless things really go to shit over the next few weeks, yeah, I don't really see it
1: happening. No, of course, and obviously Pittsburgh are now looking at, we mentioned earlier, James Conner, the uh, running back, had a quite a successful game on the ground, uh, but as mentioned, the Cleveland defense did struggle a little bit against him. They, they do have a very good line for uh, run blocking there, so it's, it could be a factor of that, but we'll see over the next couple of weeks. Like I said, in terms of any fantasy protective stuff, if you can get your hands on James Conner, get him, because it looks like that left bell thing is going to continue, so if nothing else, he'll get fed until he proves them uh, proves himself to not be the guy because he is now the guy there for now and uh, with that we'll move over to some of our questions from you the listeners okay so first up uh, oh this one's directed at me at Connor <laughs> you are a married person imagine you are a Browns fan how do you even look at your spouse uh, after this the draw I look at them in the eye and I say this is our best start in 14 years <laughs> it's our time Uh <laughs> The rookie's going to come in. We're going to blow the lid off this thing. It's going to be incredible. Um, and then I look at the, at the listing, and I see we have, we're have we traveling to New Orleans next week, and I go, eh, maybe week three. Maybe week
0: three is when it comes around for the old Browns. By the way, just to say if you're a, a true Browns fan, you don't have a wife because you're married to Josh Gordon. <laughs> it's true. It's true.
1: Yes, so this one comes in and says, we're a week in and... Yes, okay, so we are one week in and we all had teams that we were high on coming into the season and teams that we thought were going to be terrible coming into the season. What are our immediate overreactions? Who do we think was bad that's now going to be great? And who do we think, who do we think was going to be great that's now going to be terrible? Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee fucking
0: stink. Yeah, They're, but I, I thought they were going to stink. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't think they be this bad. <laughs> this, this, this is, like is going to be like a bottom tier team yeah this that they they were even before Mario got hurt against the fucking Dolphins they were trash yeah
1: yeah Trash. oh sorry we we, we didn't mention that fact as well that was the longest NFL game ever oh my god and Um, even
0: if it hadn't taken seven hours it still would have felt like the fucking longest game ever
1: it was was brutal so that's your your good team gone bad there Um, my I suppose Big, uh, good team gone bad would probably be Dallas. Like, I didn't have them having an excellent season, but I had them going about 8-8, eight and eight, and they don't look like a unit that's going to be able to do that uh, after that week one performance. We'll see how they do against the Giants, but to be honest, that those are normally games that you could throw away because those in-division games in the in the NFC East
2: are just, they're, they're madness. Uh, Fitz? Houston. Like, I, I was pretty high in oh, yeah. during mm-hmm. the, the previews, and um, with the injury bug hitting already... Uh, And obviously, those defensive stars not really hitting their peak yet. Like, they they did get better. Uh, JJ Watt did look better as as time went on last season before his injury. Maybe they can pull it around, but Deshaun Watson, that entire team just looked slower, less ready, afraid, really. Um, So that has been like a lot lower than them have. Like, I, I expected them to be in the hunt to kind of shake up the AFC, but right now it looks like they could easily finish in the bottom half of that division.
1: Yeah, no, of course. Uh, what are you yourself hire anyone who's looking better than you were expecting? Yeah. The box.
0: The box. I didn't want to say it, the box. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, amazing like, what getting rid of Jameis Winston does to no. your team, doesn't it? it? it. It's,
1: it's it's hard to not feel a little bit better at a team. who scored 48 Good points. points. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So
0: Jameis Winston was just the cause of all their problems, and now they've got rid of them. Magic.
1: Yeah, fits magic. Two hundred the decks. What are you yourself rolling anyone?
2: I was really impressed with that, like Mzungu's outfit. I think they just played really solid football. I think they just played, for lack of a better term, Alex Smith and KC football. And I think, like, even though, like, within the NFC East, obviously Philadelphia are a massive thing to take over. But I think if they play like that that season and they can avoid the injury bug beyond the Darius Guy thing, I think they're definitely in line to kind of compete in the NFC East and perhaps for a wild card spot.
1: Yep, they were they were one that I had my eye on for this as well. I would I would say KC, but I was high on KC going into <laughs> the season. anyway. But uh, I think I'm I'm i now much happier after watching that game a bit more a bit more relaxed. Although there are stuff to fix. Yeah, it's hard to say, but actually, uh, I was going to say the Denver Broncos. This is hardly hard thing to say because they're a division rival. But uh, like I thought that they were like a two or three win outfit. But that defense looks good. Their pass rush looks good. Their corners seem still seem to be kind of doing a good job there. I think there's still question marks over the offence, but they seem to have found something in that young rookie running back. And so, so I think those are the ones that I think are changed the largest in my head uh, from where I was beforehand,
0: I think. I mean, the Bills have gone from worse to like, so much worse
1: yeah see I'm, I'm I'm really intrigued do we get to see a match between oh, no sorry well, I said get to see like we're not going to watch it but do we get to see the Raiders play the Bills this year because that'll be oh, something else I hope else. so I uh, hope so. <laughs> I hope that game lasts 7 hours
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah as some of some incomplete passes the clock just doesn't run just like doesn't it. run yeah
1: oh my god what kind of game they, each side had like 140 passages <laughs> um yeah so uh as always, keep your questions coming into us. We'll try and get to a few of them every week. Uh, and we'll move on to our previews for next week's games. Okay, so up first we have uh, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Gone. I've gone Baltimore, Fitz has gone Cincinnati, and Harry has gone Baltimore. So, uh, Fitz, do you want to explain your Cincinnati call? I'm kind of... I, I can see it, actually, a little bit. Like I, like,
2: I think... Like, I know Baltimore, like, absolutely eviscerated the Buffalo Bills, but... I'm kind of putting that down to the Bills being absolute dog shit. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati, on the other hand, they played in Indianapolis. Um, and, you know, it's their team with pressure with, with issues, and uh, like I was certainly worried by the amount of pressure that Indianapolis got on in the first half. Uh, from what it's, not, it's a it's a better defense than it was like a few years ago, but it's still not like an elite unit. I kind of like Cincinnati, like they were in a tough position. They kind of started very slow, but as the game went on, they seemed to kind of find their rhythm. They got John Ross involved in a touchdown. A.J. Green started to look himself, and Joe Mixon seems to be living up to that potential. Uh, I mean, the good potential, not the the bad potential. You know, I I think Cincinnati, people are, are kind of low on Andy Dalton, but we know that Andy Dalton is someone who rises with the quality of the supporting cast around them. And I think the supporting cast is now good again, or at least pretty good. And if that offensive line starts to gel, I think he can have a, a season much closer to what he had. And if he does that, then Baltimore, like they're a good team. But I'm not convinced that they're as good as they looked in Week 1. Like I, For me, this is a, is a coin toss, but I'll give Cincinnati because they're at home.
0: Harry, Baltimore? No. Just know, like, Cincinnati did not look impressive against Indianapolis. They were flattered by the scoreline. They barely beat a barely functional team. Yes, it's impossible to assess the Ravens based on last week because, like, my grandma could have beaten the Bills, and I mean just my grandma. Like, just herself snaps the ball to herself, throws it. Like, they were trash. But I don't think we learned anything new about Cincinnati either. We saw them what they were. They were a mediocre team who got in a mediocre game with another lower mediocre team. Baltimore, to me, are the better team, Coming into this, like I just think that the Baltimore defense is going to be much, 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 much tougher for Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle between you guys because I think I like the I like the Cincinnati offense a lot, but I just think that Baltimore defense look formidable, and I'm just intrigued to see how Cincinnati look against a much more stacked defense. Next up, we have Kansas City at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, this is my pick of the week. Um, the two lads have gone for Pittsburgh and I've decided to go for Kansas City. Uh, why, you ask? Uh, blind, blind loyalty.
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have had Kansas City's number four donkeys at this point. Um, I just think it'll be intriguing to see. I think Kansas City's offense looks very intriguing. Uh, I think they'll be able to do a lot more stuff with basically the, the whole just... Play cover two because Alex Smith won't throw between 10 and 17 yards. It's no longer an issue, and they will be game planning specifically for that. Pittsburgh looked a bit shaky uh, last week. I basically, and I've, I said this to yourself earlier, I right? am um, expecting this to be a monumentally high-scoring game, because our defence will not be able to cover their offence, and I think that their defence will... Probably be able to cover a loop of our offense, but we have so many weapons that I think we're going to see some fun shit happen. My guess is that there's going to be over 70 and potentially pushing to 80 points in this game scored. So I just
0: think it's going to be super duper exciting. See, I think because you think that it's... Because we said it's about KC and Pittsburgh in the past and it's finished like 12 to 8. Look, I, I get what you're saying. I do. I do. I love the ap- appreciation. But like I said, like, Pittsburgh are a stupid team that do not make any sense. It's exactly the kind of game where Casey are coming off that high, beating a division rival, going to a Pittsburgh team that is just completely and utterly fucked up. That's where Pittsburgh play well. I, r- I realise that I'm actually running the exact opposite logic
1: of why I swapped to Kansas City last week. It was like, <laughs> <I> said, <Yeah. laughs> like the Chargers haven't beat Casey in like fucking five years. So I'm going to pick Casey until they prove me otherwise. Like, I don't think we've beaten Pittsburgh in five years. <laughs> so, uh, this will be fun. Um, but also, I had a target. If I said, our first, our run of first six or seven games are brutal. So I said, if we can win two of those, I'll be happy. Uh, next up, we have Miami at the New York Jets. I've gone for Jets. Fitz has gone for Jets. Harry has gone for Miami. Why are you going for Miami? Because the Jets can't start two and they
0: just they just can't. But this means Miami to. starts two 0 Yeah, I know that's also confusing. But they one of the wins is against Blaine Gabbert, so it doesn't count. I, I watched the, the from the Jets game; it all looked very impressive. And then you found out it's because that Matt Stafford was tipping all of his hand signals, and I'm like, well, that's actually not that impressive. Then I thought Donald looked okay. I thought the run game. Got Threw a pick on his first he uh, did. first so pass. Hit six on his first <laughs> pass. Joining uh, James Winston James and Winston. Brett Favre. Yeah. Uh, so either he's going to go on to have a Hall of Fame career or he's going to be a total failure. But either way, his dick's going to get him in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but But um, yeah, like I just I, I didn't really like what I saw from the Jets, even though they won by a massive scoreline. Mm. I wasn't impressed. I felt it was deceptive. Their run game, for example, statistically looks great, but it was all on one big run. Whereas Miami looked. Bleh, I uh, think. Yeah, they Blech. looked fine. It was fine. It was boring. It was unimpressive. It was functional. But, like, it was enough to beat the Titans, whose defense is probably the stronger part of the team. But we were also so... literally just
1: discussing that we reckon that they are one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah,
0: I know. That's because their head coach shouldn't be head coaching. I am mean, love Mike Vrabel, Patriots legend, way too to be head coach. But look, I think they look more comfortable. I think Tannehill looked comfortable. Yes, he made mistakes. Yes, there are problems. But I, I think there's enough in there mm. to beat the Jets. Fitz, Jets...
2: Yeah, like I just think the Jets are—they're a fun team right now. I think after that win, their confidence will be high. And for two teams, like I don't think either of them are like going to win the uh, like the Super Bowl or anything like that. I think having that oh, sense of optimism oh. and having that sense of like, like maybe something special is happening here, can end up like building its own momentum. I think like Miami have started off better than they expected, but that first game obviously was incredibly weird, uh, especially when it came back and then the the, the mature, like all those things, all those return touchdowns. But I just think the Jets right now, they're a team which I, I feel is ready to start winning and it's ready to believe in itself. Or I think Miami, if they go behind early and, you know, they have to rely like on Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker to like get them out of a hole. I just don't see them as guys who can really do that on a consistent basis and do that. So you know, the Jets I just they're more fun right now, so I'm
1: going to give them the win. Yeah. yeah. Next up, we have Philly at Tampa Bay. We've gone for Philly across the board. Uh, basically, I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick can do that twice in a row. Uh, I also think this is a far better defense he's going to be facing. Philly started slow, but I think, as we could see in that game, Tampa Bay do not have much of a defense themselves either. Uh, I think this will probably be Like probably be a decent scoring game but I wouldn't expect to see what you saw in the New Orleans game I'd say Philly by probably a score and a half two scores here um, as they kind of round out in the second half and just start to shut down whatever Ryan Fitzpatrick was trying to do and next up we have Harry's pick of the week Cleveland at New Orleans we've got for New Orleans
0: across the board Harry just a spoiler uh, I'm picking Cleveland every week for my pick of the week for the rest of the season excellent Um, this is now the Cleveland Browns corner
2: that's a a bold prediction
0: (laughs) guys four words Greg Williams revenge game <laughs> Drew Brees is going to die <laughs> Drew Brees is going to be straight up murdered within the first three offensive snaps of this game no seriously Um, that's why they got Teddy Bridgewater yes uh, oh no. Jesus Christ sorry <laughs> the, week week what? five you're picking Raiders at Browns yes yes I am lock it in lock it up mark it down
1: Buccaneers at Browns hell yeah look
0: at this shit Um, look this is no the Saints are going to win this game let's let's be honest um, I think the Browns are going to give them a scrap but I think the Saints are like it's Drew Brees we saw although I don't know he did just get out drilled by Ryan Fitzpatrick so maybe he's a scrub maybe I'll pick my Shane and pick mm-hmm. Cleveland no look this is the Saints they're going to be <laughs> there isn't going to be any weird downpours it's going to be a dome game We've seen that pass game look absolutely incredible, although their run game looked extremely bad, which uh, maybe questioned the wisdom of cutting both uh, Boston Scott and yeah, uh, Johnson Williams and bringing in to who did the then fumbles as well. Yeah, so. a, a very bad display overall from that aspect of it. But we saw like incredible games from Michael Thomas in the passing game, from Kamara, from mm-hmm. Teg Ginn, and Breeze throwing it everywhere. And I think that as exciting as that Cleveland uh, yeah. defense looks, I think Drew Brees in a dome is a very different... Proposition from Ben Roethlisberger in week one in the rain when he's overconfident um, but I think, I think we're going to see this is a real tester clean that's like What I'm saying I'm excited about the defense I, I genuinely am excited to see how does this defense do against an offense that isn't essentially stumbling around like half drunk yeah what can they do and also like okay let's see what Tyrod Taylor can actually do where he isn't facing awful weather conditions is he going to be more confident pushing the ball downfield or are we going to see a bit more um Tarad yeah tarot yes sorry woman's <laughs> saying his name wrong apparently it's tarot um, are we going to see a bit more of that from him so i'm very very interested to see what I think is a very exciting Cleveland team can do, but they're definitely not going to win this game. They are just not going to win this game. Yeah, no, of course.
1: Uh, next up we have Indianapolis at Washington. We've gone Washington across the board. Uh, basically, as we mentioned, Washington looked to be a lot better than we were expecting. Alex Smith looked good. Their run game looks good. Adrian Peterson looked exceptionally good in it. Their defense was playing strongly. Indianapolis looked ropey. They had a lot of mistakes on there. As we said, Landry Luck doesn't look to be back to 100%. They're traveling across to them. I just see this being a, a-, a win for for Smith and brings the the, the Washington Mazingas to 2-0. Next up, we have LA Chargers at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Fitz, like, oh, sorry, uh, Harry, like, very simply, do, do we need to say anything more than this
0: is at Buffalo? I think... It's very it's one very interesting question, which is which Buffalo quarterback will throw three picks this week? Yeah. I oh man. Like you pick pick literally anyone against the Bills. Like this is yeah, this, this team is trash. Yeah, and Chargers are a good team. <laughs> yeah So yes, They're gonna their offense is just going to ra- run or like that's what Joe Flacco can do with fucking I don't know, like John Crab Brown Tried. and Crabtree. Yeah. Like what are Keenan Allen exactly. and Co. To gonna do to this team like?
1: next up is Ronan's pick of the week Minnesota at Green Bay. We've gone for Minnesota across the board. Rodgers, uh, Rogers I believe is questionable for this game.
2: Yeah, so obviously if if, if Rogers isn't playing uh, this yeah. is not a good game. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll absolutely destroy them. So like we went over that during the previews when you asked like how bad is Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers and uh, we've already seen a preview and Harry was right, they're absolutely dog shit. Um, so yeah, so obviously you know Aaron Rodgers has promised or he promised while well, completely high that he'll be playing. So assuming that's true. We have, obviously, a game which is likely to have major playoff implications, tiebreaker implications at the end of the season because we both expect these teams to be roughing it out for the lead in the NFC North and probably for seeding in the wider NFC. And Minnesota, they had uh, probably not a spectacular game against San Francisco, but what showed was that on the defense in particular, when given any opportunity to make a play, they did. You know, tackles for loss, uh, interceptions, sacks, They got everything there. That Minnesota defense uh, against Jimmy G, who obviously you know has has played really exceptional uh, last season, and didn't actually play that bad uh, even in that game. He they were good enough to make him look ordinary and to basically get the win. And on the offense, you know Dalvin Cook, I I think he had a little bit of rust. He's perhaps still shaking off, but he still had enough of that burst that you're excited to see that. And Latavius Murray. Uh, obviously still looked like a very good understudy. And Kirk Cousins, he looks efficient. He looks like Kirk Cousins. We expect him to be. He was spreading the ball out to Thielen and digs very efficiently. Uh, throws on time. I think with Kirk Cousins, they have a fair safe pair of hands. Obviously the only real concern is that offensive line. But I think you know, uh, Green Bay's perhaps there. The uh, yeah. defensive line isn't perhaps the, the kind of one that that will completely expose that. Like, Mike Daniels maybe might have a big game, but I don't expect much outside that. On the Green Bay side, obviously, it's really just a question. Can Aaron Rodgers single-handedly win more games in the NFC North? And it's Aaron Rodgers, so you certainly can't count that out. I imagine either way that, you know, when when Aaron Rodgers goes in there, Minnesota will be lightning-focused on trying to stop him. But it'll, like I think with the way Aaron Rodgers started that game, coming back even half-injured and making so many plays like despite those those, uh, those issues yeah I'm excited I was excited before the season I'm even more excited now and if Aaron Rodgers can stay healthy and put up more games like that then Green Bay are going to be great to watch and this should be a great game to see because of that
1: yeah no, of course uh, the one thing I would say is that like given this defence if there's any questions over Aaron Rodgers this is not the game to just go and say like oh hopefully he doesn't get hit too hard um, now, more so, drugs it's fine more there's drugs it's just, that's just that's to strap him This the team that knocked him out for the year last year isn't it yeah uh, Carolina, Atlanta up next. We've all gone for Atlanta. Uh, Carolina looked a bit, there's some question mark said They've lost their main, uh, their main passing option, really, in their tight end.
0: Give them Christian McCaffrey, 700 times a game, apparently. Yeah.
1: Uh, that, that's apparently the plan. I don't think it's a great plan. Uh, Atlanta thought, even though they lost the game, looked decent. Their defense looked very strong in the last game. And I think their offense will probably be able to get something more going when it's not the Philadelphia Eagles defense that they're playing. Also, they're at home in this, they're in a dome, so it won't have as much potential for, for adverse conditions. I would to mention as well well done philly fans you boot your own fucking super bowl winning team going into the half time and they're behind by three points oh
0: good god never change well if, uh, they, if they've been behind by 6 points they've been throwing D batteries in yeah, their head so let's take
1: it, no, it? No, no. Six, 6 points is just like it's a couple of triple A's uh, <laughs> it's a warning battery yeah, it's a know? warning battery if it's more than a touchdown that's when the big boys come out and if you're down by 14 fucking car batteries come <laughs> out um, but yes yeah, so we're taking Atlanta across the board here expect to see a bit more fireworks hopefully off that uh, offence because if you don't then you're going to start to see talk about who might be available to pick up for the uh, offensive coordinator position next up we have Houston at Tennessee Uh, I've taken Houston, Harry's taken Houston, Fitz has taken Tennessee, why Houston Harry?
0: Uh, Because there's a 50-50 shot that Blaine Gabbert leads Tennessee out into this game. Yeah. Like, this is against the Titans. The loss of Walker is huge. Mariota might not play. They've lost their left tackle. Houston looked eh, against the Patriots, but still only lost by seven, ultimately. Um, we saw some, saw some nice play from Hopkins. We saw Lamar Miller still like able to grind the ball down the field. Watson's decision-making looked poor, but he did make some very nice throws, whereas Tennessee looked lost. They looked badly coached. They, look, they don't know who their best players at any position are, and they've just lost three of their most important players very hard to pick Tennessee in this game right now yeah.
1: uh, speaking of which Ronan why would you pick Tennessee?
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, mariota's like probably a bit overrated at this point to be honest but you know I, I am probably overreacting um, as I said like in the question section um, a little bit but I just thought Houston just looked sluggish they just looked a bit off um, whereas Tennessee they kind of looked the same I, I think Tennessee um, I-, I like that defense uh, I think the defense looked pretty good more, more often than not, like special teams plays could definitely increase and I think that especially that front seven if they can get through that paper mache offensive line then I see Houston having a lot more issues going forward and I just I just see Houston's kind of team that when they're not booming they're, they're busting and I, I think if Tennessee realized that Deion Lewis is infinitely better than Derrick Henry uh, then I think they can get that offense churning and even if it was Blaine Gabbard I'd give them a chance but if Mariota starts, I think at least that will take enough pressure off him. that They can actually focus on what he's doing and get like Corey Davis, etc., into the game. Yeah, like mm. I, I don't think either of these teams are particularly good, uh, but we'll give no. the Tennessee at home
1: yeah uh, next up we have Arizona the Rams we're all taking the Rams because the Rams look extremely dominant they will break people uh, I think I'll be honest I'm quite happy that, this, is, uh, this is the Sam Bradford dies game yeah Sam Bradford dies in this game also very happy that Johnson got that much guaranteed money because he might also get broken in this game too uh, this is a scary looking defense and a pretty decent looking offense Uh Arizona looked okay, but again like just there's just nothing there like they've got some good pieces But they're not a complete team at all. They're not ready to compete uh, Detroit at San Francisco uh, I've gone for Detroit and you guys have gone for San Francisco. So why San Francisco either of you?
2: Well, like mostly this is like, you know, how are you talking about like Jimmy Garoppolo and SF but uh, like Detroit looked really bad In that game Max Stafford I don't know what the hell's up with him, but I guess the defense didn't really put them under that much pressure in terms of like pass rush, he just made a lot of mistakes, and if the New York Jets, who obviously don't have a history of being great at avoiding cheating, could manage to figure out what you're doing, um, then that doesn't bode well for this new offense. Like Detroit, we know they could be better, maybe they turn it around in a week, but it looks like Matt Patricia has basically inherited the playbook from last season, not updated, and got found out. It's not enough time to really do that a week later um, uh, to to fix that, so you know. Hmm. Detroit,
1: sort your shit out. Yeah, we we'll see. Like, I don't think... San Francisco didn't impress me a huge amount. Uh, I think they're also missing some wide receiver options or potentially because of uh, internal bruising, which is always a horrible thing mm-hmm. to say. Bruising should be
0: inside your body. That's good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Just keep it inside. Keep the blood inside. <laughs> yeah, that's the important. That's right. what a bruise is. Um, but yeah, like, Detroit, I think, looked messy. But again, like I said defensive came out and said that they knew all the calls so all the, like it's not that they need to change the playbooks it's that they need to change how they're making their calls at the line which is fine I think like I think that they always have this kind of on off kind of good game bad game kind of bullshit because I never trust in Detroit myself but like I reckon we're probably going to see at least one or two good games I think this is one that they're going to want to kind of wash off the stink from the last game and this is both a combo of me thinking Detroit are probably do a slightly better game won't make the same mistake uh, of letting them know all their offensive play calls in advance but also I just wasn't mm. impressed by San Francisco all that much at all uh, this is a game to not watch in my book mm. uh, but yeah next up Oakland at Denver
0: uh, Denver across the board yeah Denver surprisingly not as dysfunctional as we thought although I'll well, give it a few weeks yeah uh, they were just against I think a more dysfunctional team uh, Oakland good god yeah, like they, like they sort of kept up for a little while I and mean, then they just like ran out of 180, play was,
1: 180 yards to their tight end
0: yeah who is also Jared Cook we should point yeah. out right? like <laughs> Uh, John Gruden loves tight ends like I think they just after the 17th time they ran spider two Y banana the uh, rounds like oh hang on a minute I think I've seen this before. no Oakland looked terrible they looked utterly bereft of ideas once they got out of the scripted portion of the game the play calling was bizarre they don't have a running game McCarr looked terrified of being hit the O-line looked okay the defense was crap which we expected it to be I don't see them winning against even a pretty poor Denver team.
1: Next up, we have New England at Jacksonville. I've literally just on the fly changed my pick on this one. So you guys have gone for New England and I have gone for Jacksonville. Uh, So, I suppose, like, I don't know, New England looked interesting, looked quite good in the game, but there was sloppiness. Their defence looked good, uh, which was a big surprise, to be honest. Defence was driving them. Uh, I'm not sure... Like, for some reason the signing of Corey Coleman does not fill me with a huge amount of hope for this wide receiver core. Uh I think that this Jacksonville defence is actually a good defence rather than a defence that commentators like to wank about because it has fucking JJ Watt in it. Uh I think they're at home as well. I think it's just I I think this is gonna be a close game. I think Jacksonville are going to want to take it to New England, given that the last time they saw them they knocked them out from being in the in the in the Super Bowl. Like I just I think it's going to be the one where Jacksonville kept one up and everyone goes, oh, does this make them a contender? And then New England just beat them in the playoffs.
2: I, I could do analysis, but all I would say is Tom Brady, Blake Portis. Mm. Bad Blake was out there last week. And yep. I trust him. And do you Blake not remember what good.
1: happened the last season? It was that he had a bad game, followed by a good game, followed by. And you literally were going down on what. You were deciding whether to be good or bad based on whether it was an odd or even week. This is how Jacksonville functions.
0: Okay, yeah But like, look, look, look I, I get what you're saying But like, let's be honest like, Particularly because, again, Fournette might not be 100% That run game didn't look good once that and Fournette came out of the game We saw the New England's pass rush yeah. Looked much, much better than last year Against possibly the weakest offensive line in the league Yes, but it doesn't <laughs> matter That's still better than last year What happens if you put Blake Bortles under pressure? He shits the bed Mm.
1: And then no one wants to tackle him because he smells of poo (laughs)
0: Alright let's move on to the next game I'm I'm done here (laughs) I have no comeback I have no comeback for that
1: New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys uh, I've got Dallas Fitz has got Dallas do you know what fuck it I'm going with Harry on this one I, I'm i swapping mine I literally
0: just changed my pick to be different and now you've changed your pick to be different
1: yeah, and now Fitz no. is different Dallas Dallas really didn't impress me in the slightest um, last week so uh, like Giants didn't look great but they've got the pieces to do it And it, especially because like we said this is the AAC Like this is this is the division where none of the things make sense. So the team who has to travel that distance is probably the one who's going to win it, even though it should be the opposite (laughs) way around. Uh, Fitz, tell us about Dallas here.
2: Yeah, like I think like my expectation is this a game? This is a game of who can do a better job of establishing their run game. Um, And neither of them put up a great showing in week one to show that they could actually do that. Um, I think Dallas still have a longer you know track record of being able to get Ezekiel Elliott going and uh, Dak Prescott can't really play any worse than he did in that season like, like in the last game um, so <laughs> what I, think a like, bet. I just, I, just tr- I trust Dallas to be able to go back to their game figure it out and try and get some like actual production from their run game whereas New York are still kind of You know they're experimenting with it, but their offensive line is just so bad. I just don't really trust it to actually get the ground Barkley going, except when he actually makes not something from absolutely nothing. So, like I think whoever gets the run game wins this game. I just trust Dallas to do that more in this particular case.
0: Fair enough. I think it's worth noting though that Dallas's O line, particularly with the absence of Travis Frederick, did not look good at all in the run blocking. Like they struggled in Frederick's absence, to create a lot of space for, um, for Elliott. Um, I think what we saw from Dallas was not only a failure of um, a variety of things, this was the ultimate Jason Garrett-like culmination of, my God, you have been utterly figured out. There is nothing interesting on this team. You want to talk about run game, which of these teams is going to be able to stuff eight men in the box? Play after play after play. It's the Giants, because the Cowboys have no wide receivers Odell Beckham Jr. is on the other side. Sterling Shepard. Aiden Evan Ingram at tight end. Dallas are built to run the ball now so much that they literally can only run the ball.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Again, this is a, this is a game that I would put firmly in the don't bother oh, watching yeah. category. Uh, but we can't say that too loudly because it is the most popular and biggest market uh, demographic of them all. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, just don't watch it, guys. It's
2: Sunday night football, so that might be different. Bed yeah, sounds great. Bed sounds
1: class. Uh let's do bad uh, finally Seattle at Chicago this is a this is a surprise we've all gone for Chicago in this one this is more kind of a reflection on Seattle on the down sub and Chicago Mack coming up against that Seattle line is a bit scary isn't it well
2: yeah well Von Miller basically won a game all by himself Cleo Mack nearly did that against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay so can Cleo Mack get 15 sacks by tar- like picking on Jermaine Fetty Probably. <laughs>
0: like, if you're Jermaine Fetti, would you not just hold him every play because you're just gonna give it up anyway?
2: Like the the only the only exciting thing, well the most exciting thing about Seahawks right now is that their punter is so good.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward. We're looking forward to our week four punt forecasting.
2: Oh well, his top punt last week or this week was a 69 yarder. Nice, Jesus. Nice. nice. Uh, Gronk
1: you- has now drafted him in every <laughs> fantasy. <league. laughs>
2: Their defense is just off right now, and the offense has never been really built to kind of be a consistent enough unit to kind of keep them in shape. Fits, fits,
0: fits, so fits, fits, Nobody cares. Let's go back to talking about the punter. Have you have <laughs> you seen have you seen the like now anti Michael Dixon truthers on Reddit and stuff? No, like I people involved in putting up videos of the punts being like, look at this, like where he could find that um, the first punt he outkicked the coverage and allowed it to be returned. Uh, if he was properly a good punter, he uh, wouldn't be doing that. I'd say like two out of his punts were good, and if he can just keep doing that, I'm like, who are you?
2: Yeah, well, if you, if you punt the ball, like, you know, 70 yards downfield, then yes, the coverage team mightn't quite catch up with your kick. Yeah. That, that, that is a potential outcome of being that good at punting. Uh, occasionally, your coverage is expected to make tackles, uh, but that's just a small criticism. No, it's not Michael Dixon. He is a god. I will not listen... I will go to Reddit right now and sure. just sit straight.
1: <laughs> you should. this is just going up and just like messaging his on every single one of them. <laughs> I'm going to have six accounts. I'm going to downvote all these motherfuckers. <laughs> <and>
2: small <laughs> secret <laughs> assassin force. So they can all come and listen and find out the truth and post really ridiculous comments on it because... That's the best part of doing this podcast, the ridiculous Facebook comments. Yeah, nothing like them, nothing
1: like them. Dropmichaeldickson.com Oh, my. But, yeah, so that'll wrap us up for that. Looking forward to it. It's a couple of nice games in there, actually. It should be good fun. Uh, a couple of fucking stinkers already. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. i much. Houston, Tennessee, Giants, Dallas. Whoa. What? Like, they're the kind of games you need to get out of rid of in Denver, war, Denver right? yeah Yeah, Let's see. Oakland-Denver will be... Ugh. Um, but all the rest of them look pretty good, so that's good. But yeah, so any other plans for this the week, lads? No. No? No, no. i got a couple days off work. Get drunk. Handy? Nice. Yeah. What are yourself, Fitz? Uh, not
0: though aware of. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's make some plans for him.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. I think I'm not doing a wild pile either. I've got uh, going to go into the, going, going the theatre on Saturday now. It's going oh, to be Jesus. fierce cultured. Fier cultured. Um, no and sense. then, obviously, you get drunk and watch American football on Sunday. Uh, but i got to start Stay studying because i got those exams coming up, son. Uh,
2: yeah, you Oh yeah, oh, I really want Black to see 47. that. Yeah,
1: Black Forty Seven. Uh, there's actually there's, there's three or four films here, I
0: want to see. I do find it the whole concept like I, I love it, but I'm also like, what? Well, it's like, ah, oh, there's a famine and this family die, then he comes back and kills all the Brits, yeah. and I'm it's like, just, okay, it's,
1: it's <laughs> just a revenge. It's essentially Rambo yeah. set in famine times. It's great. That's apparently, so like he, apparently, like he just keeps like just turning up in rooms like completely secretly, and he's like. <laughs> Like rich, rich English guys, like like drinking wine, going oh, oh, the peasants, and then he just like appears behind them and rips their throats out. This,
0: this does sound like a parody, Speaking doesn't it? Speaking Irish, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chucky Orla, he says. Mm, who's Chucky and where's Orla? <laughs> uh, Apparently,
2: Stephen Ray has a really good Connemara accent, so I'm looking forward to that as well.
1: Excellent, excellent. Uh, but yeah, as always, catch us on Facebook and on uh, Twitter and Pornhub and Etsy and everywhere else that does the internets
0: uh, We should really update. Uh, some of those,
1: yeah, we probably should. Uh, I don't even know what the login to the to the Twitter. is And I'm
0: for the Pornhub hub, though, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But, yeah, so that'll do it for us for this week. So, uh, bye from Harry, right? Bye from
2: Ronan,
1: bye, bye from me. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.